This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. NVIDIA acquires Bright Computing. And defends intended ARM purchase. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell. That's Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, Happy New Year. We've both been off a little bit. This is our first podcast of the year. Happy New Year, Addison. Uh, Today, we're kicking off two stories that both involve NVIDIA. And they both involve acquisitions. They do, yes. (laughs) And we're going to get to the complicated one that's been going on for a long time with their intended acquisition of ARM. And let's go to one that just went through right away. We're kicking off the year with, I think, a pretty cool acquisition as NVIDIA has purchased Bright Computing. Yeah, they announced that they acquired... um... Bright Computing. They didn't say they didn't say for how much. Um, they said they're aiming to expand opportunities across the NVIDIA customer base and to broaden Bright's reach. Uh, they told us that the uh, Charlie Boyle we talked to at NVIDIA, the VP and GM of DGX Systems, as well as the the CEO or the person who was the CEO of Bright, um, still still with came came aboard with NVIDIA. It's Bill Wagner. They both thought the deal made a lot of sense and would unlock some. Synergies of Bright is a longtime cluster management solution. It's been around for about 10 years and uh, in use by more than 700 companies. NVIDIA says it's, it, well, it's now part of NVIDIA's uh, software stack for accelerated computing. And their goals include growing the Bright ecosystem, both on-premises, and then they also emphasize, or NVIDIA emphasize, as well as in hybrid cloud, which NVIDIA said was a huge expansion area. Yeah, I got to speak with Bill Wagner, who I've been a big fan of during the time he's been running Bright Computing. I think it's a really interesting company, and he was very excited, obviously, but it, it, it is clear to me there's a great deal of synergy with regard to this, and I had thought Bright Computing might get acquired prior to this. I hadn't been thinking about NVIDIA specifically, but this deal makes a lot of sense for a couple of reasons. From a Bright Computing standpoint, it really expands them a lot more beyond just their core traditional HP. PC clusters and into a lot more of the world of AI. And from NVIDIA's standpoint, Bright Computing has done so much work with hybrid cloud management, which again has a, a great deal of affinity toward AI, that it gives NVIDIA that software stack that as NVIDIA starts aspiring to being more of a systems company like we've seen with DGX, having that, uh, that complete software stack really makes a lot of sense for NVIDIA. Yeah, it's a story that we've heard a lot of times and so far is getting HPC pushed further into the enterprise. But now, as you said, the AI is a big part of it, too. So into these sites that don't necessarily have the time or skills to do their own cluster management and, you know, making that auto- automated and simplifying the process and getting into new, new markets and unlocking new use cases that way. So, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a good call. The uh, Bright was headquartered in, in Amsterdam. Those headquarter those Amsterdam headquarters will be maintained primarily as a Bright software development office with the Bright development team becoming part of the NVIDIA, the larger NVIDIA software engineering group. And we estimate Bright's headcount to be about 100 employees. Uh, and Bright said that 100% of, of the employee base is transi- transitioning to NVIDIA. Uh, including the the CEO, including Bill Wagner, who's joining NVIDIA as an executive in the Worldwide Field Operations Organization, and then also Bright CTO, Martijn DeVries, who will continue to lead uh, the the 
Bright Cluster Management develop the Bright Cluster Manager development team. Uh, dual headquarters, I think, with both Amsterdam and San Jose, and all of them uh, moving over to uh, NVIDIA. And of course, Amsterdam goes back to, in a way, Bright Computing's come full circle. They were part of Cluster Vision, which was doing uh, complete HPC systems and clusters. And uh, they spun out, as you point out in your article on HPC Wire, they spun out of Cluster Vision back in 2009. For those of us who are still in HPC way back then, more than a decade ago, and Cluster Vision itself went through some troubled times, but then eventually uh, continued with their own uh, acquisition of assets uh, uh, by Taurus Group, uh, kind of saving the company out of bankruptcy. So Cluster Vision is still uh, competing out there, but but really for Bright Computing to go from being part of Cluster Vision and then independent, being fairly successful, now they're part of a company that's really booming in HPC. And Charlie Boyle and Bill Wagner uh, said that the business model, the Bright business model, will continue unchanged and that the same people who could sell Bright before the acquisition will still be selling Bright now, and that the NVIDIA partner network will be expanded over the next uh, three months or so. Uh, we'll add that NVIDIA has been working with Bright for a long time, for more than a decade, and they're you know they're integrating they've Bright manager with uh, their GPUs, with CUDA, and then with their DGX systems, and then like you were saying, increasingly into, into um, AI environments as well. I mentioned that uh, I had sort of privately hypothesized prior to this that Bright Computing might get acquired. Now, as an analyst, I try to be careful about those statements publicly. But now that they're getting acquired by NVIDIA, I'll say the company that for a long time I thought might acquire Bright was Dell. Dell was one of Bright Computing's uh, closer partners, and that was an important uh, piece of software there. But then this NVIDIA acquisition really does Bright uh, a well-timed favor because over the course of the last year, Dell was starting to promote its own HPC software suite with Omnia, which I guess put the Bright <laughs> partnership in a little bit of a different light. So uh, for Bright Computing to get this acquisition by NVIDIA is maybe good timing for the software company. Right, and they're you know they're not making any roadmap announcements at this time. They're currently on the uh, V9.1 release of Bright Cluster Manager, but maybe we'll hear more um, coming up at uh, the GTC event in March uh, on that front. And you know they they've bought this they've bought, they've acqu they've acquired this uh, this uh, cluster manager for their soft software stack, and increasingly we see NVIDIA looking to fill out, to flush out the stack and become more and more vertically integrated, which is gonna lead us to our second story, the, in, in, which involves the NVIDIA ARM deal and some activity that just happened on that, you know, setting the stage. NVIDIA, of course, announced its intention to acquire ARM from parent company, uh, the Japanese conglomerate SoftBank in September, 2020 uh, for $40 billion. And um, SoftBank had bought ARM in July of 2016 um, for for about 32 billion dollars in an all cash deal. Now this R this Nvidia ARM acquisition deal is under intense scrutiny and some facing some regulatory challenges from several governments of the U.S., the U.K., and the EU. With critics saying that the deal stifles competition, and Nvidia arguing the opposite, that the transaction will boost competition and innovation. The latest action on this is that Nvidia has filed a response to the UK 
Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, uh, which is seeking to do an in-depth investigation into the proposed merger. So NVIDIA's response is this 29-page response that really fervently argues the potential benefits of the deal, which NVIDIA characterizes as, uh, I'm, I'm quoting here, a unique once-in-a-generation opportunity to expand and enhance ARM's ecosystem benefiting the UK and all ARM licensees. So what did what did you think of this? I thought it was pretty interesting reading this 29-page uh, response. Uh, I have not read the full 29-page response. However, I have been researching some of it on my own. And to be honest, you know, I've been so much on the page of will it or won't it happen that I hadn't done a lot of independent thinking until recently as to whether it, yeah, I, whether I thought it should. And I've even consulted some attorneys that I know who would have expertise in this matter. And really, the longer this goes on, the more compassion I have for NVIDIA's arguments in this space. I mean, after all, there are other processor vendors out there, Intel, AMD, and, and what are we protecting them from competition from NVIDIA if NVIDIA becomes an ARM vendor? I think when we look at a lot of the objections that are coming from outside the U.S., say from the U.K. or the EU or even China, some of the fear might or might be wrapped up in national pride, but some of the fear might be that too much of the processing technology gets owned by American companies. Companies and they want to keep it outside of the U.S. There's also the possibility that NVIDIA could make concessions in the deal, such as offering the technology through uh, FRAND licensing, fair, reasonable, non-discriminatory licensing for a generation or two to ensure that other people would still have access to it uh, before it uh, becomes proprietary to NVIDIA. So I think there's still a lot of ways that this could develop. If you really want me to be an odds maker on it, it still looks like the odds are stacked against this deal going through. There's too many people who are <laughs> who are filing uh, too many complaints. But uh, but just from reasoning it out, I, I'll say I, I do have compassion for NVIDIA's arguments here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, some of the other points, some of the points that NVIDIA made, they said that um, Regardless of whether NVIDIA acquires ARM, that SoftBank still intends to offload the business and that um, they also emphasize that SoftBank came to them with the proposal, um, not the other way around. And then they, they spent um, a lot of time, they, they really vigorously refuted the anti-competitive framing of, of the regulators' claims, uh, especially where Intel is concerned. Uh, they said that... Uh, they actually that the, the decision disparages Intel, AMD, and hundreds of Risk Five supporters as forever unable to compete with ARM, um, and they they really they really were um, strongly strongly argued that point. And as you said, you know Nvidia faces these regulatory battles on several fronts now, uh, US, UK, EU, and then and then probably Ch China too um, if it gets to that point. Uh, in the U.S., uh, an administrative complaint filed by the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, will be heard by an administrative law judge in August of 2022. So this has already gone on for for 15 months. It is going to go on. It looks like for another another <laughs> for, seven eight months for a while longer for a while still. Longer. Yeah, I don't expect it to suddenly resolve. And you're right, Tiffany, that these two stories are related beyond the fact that they're both 
uh, NVIDIA acquisition stories, to me, they really relate to NVIDIA's clear intention to be more of a complete system provider and not just with DGX. And that has them competing uh, potentially not only with Intel, but eventually with some of NVIDIA's own customers. And that, to me, is the more interesting competitive dynamic here is not what it means for competition with AMD or Intel, but does it eventually put them into competition with Dell and HPE and other system vendors if NVIDIA is doing complete systems? We've seen other component manufacturers like Intel or, or Cisco make runs at having their own server businesses, and that gets a little dodgy competing with your own customers a little bit. Uh, NVIDIA is already almost doing that with DGX. They're OEMing it through partners. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, I mean, that that actually points to another some other interesting arguments that they made in their filing. They were saying that antitrust law preserves competition. It does not empower customers and competitors with veto rights over acquisitions. And, you know, you can you can read you can read that report directly. And we've seen I think it's interesting, too. We've seen over the course of this 15 months that NVIDIA has been showing a lot of interest in the UK, let's say, since the arm deal was announced. Um, it launched the Cambridge, a the Cambridge one AI supercomputer in July of last year. And that's now the UK's most powerful supercomputer. It was funded by a hundred million dollar investment from NVIDIA. And then in September 2020, NVIDIA announced its intention to build an AI center for excellence in Cambridge. Uh, this is separate from the Cambridge one, and this one would feature a new NVIDIA plus ARM supercomputer. At the time, NVIDIA said that the system would be one of the most powerful in the world, and it would combine, uh, quote, state-of-the-art ARM CPUs, NVIDIA's most advanced GPU technology, and NVIDIA Mellanox GPUs. Um, so that uh, we haven't heard too much about that lately, but that may still be on the table. Uh, and we have been told previously that that project is not tied to the closing of the ARM acquisition. That's important. In fact, a lot of what in NVIDIA wants to do is not tied to the closing of, of the, the, the acquisition, um, including the, the, the Grace ARM CPU that they are, that they are developing. Uh, and I, I would say that... Um, NVIDIA doesn't need ARM, but the the person at the at the till, Jensen Huang, um, he really wants ARM. And um, you know, to to as as the company becomes more of a systems company through a mix of internal uh, development, such as um, the ARM chip, such as the DPU, and then external acquisitions, Bright Computing, and and Mellanox being the other one big one, which they. They picked yeah, up we, we didn't even for, talk about Mellanox yeah. <laughs> and all this. That was a major acquisition, of course, and having InfiniBand over there. And all right, one final note before we close on NVIDIA. We are looking forward to the GTC, of course, which comes up every March. And we've just gotten a little bit more information on that. We already knew that GTC was coming up the week of March 21st. That's the 21st through the 24th of March. But the newest communications from NVIDIA on this confirm that this will be an online or virtual virtual event. This will be the third straight GTC that's going to be uh, online and not in person. That's right. They just switched course on that. I was thinking that we we might attend in person, but now we've learned it's it'll just be online only. We'll be looking at the other events that will be coming up and you know following following these things closely along with our listeners.
Yeah, it's kind of funny. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of things starting to get canceled. We were starting to go back to some in-person events. We were at supercomputing, but now we've got Omicron out there and things are still uh, questionable as to what's going to be uh, uh, virtual and what's going to be in-person. So for now, we plan to go to what we can, but uh, GTC now confirming that that will be an online event. Okay, our listeners can get more details on both of these stories on HPC Wire. Tiffany, Thanks for doing the news with me, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.